0: Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and the UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's P-O-D. That's a stamps.com promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Welcome back to Psychic Crime, and I'm your host, Nicole Mann, and always, it is so good to have you here with me. Like I say every single time, I'm so happy to have you guys here. Never thought I would be doing this for this long, but I'm so happy that you guys keep coming back and listening and enjoying the show, and I'm so happy. I never ever thought that there would be this many people from this many places all around the world. So thank you guys so much. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, please check out the Patreon. Like um, I said, we I am taking requests. So if you have something that maybe may not make national or international headlines, I'm always looking for um, any crimes, especially crimes from uh, other countries. Um, I'd be happy to hear them. On the Patreon, there's two levels. There's one level that has updates, pictures, things like that. And there's one level that has, um, takes requests, and then you will also get a free t-shirt. So I'm a little behind uh, keeping up on the Patreon, but I will do a little more. Um, As I let you guys know last time, I'm in the process of changing jobs, doing a little couple classes so that I can get recertified as an interventionist. Um, I should be done with that at the beginning of January. And so um, things will should be back on track. Um, so look out for that. Um, we do have a Christmas sweater out at the merchandise store. If you want to go over to Crime Scandal at Designed by Humans, um, there is it comes in a sweatshirt and a hoodie. Uh, a couple people have already grabbed theirs. So thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, but if you want to run over there and grab yours, it's the Sienna's Got a Flamethrower and a Grudge. Um, go ahead and grab yours uh, so that you are prepared for Christmas. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's get into this week's uh, podcast. So we are covering a Brazilian footballer. Um, he, his name is, he goes by the name of Bruno. So, November 25th marks the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. It's a date that serves as a global reminder of what is now referred to as the shadow pandemic, with 35% of women and girls experiencing physical or sexual violence in their lifetime, most frequently by an intimate partner. Moreover, around 137 women are killed every day by a family member, showing how the how The place that is supposed to be the safest for women is actually one of the most dangerous. This is especially true in Latin America. The region with the highest rate of sexual violence in the world is Brazil, a country that has one of the highest rates of violence against women in the region. It was estimated that in 2017, 67% of the registered victims of physical aggression were women. In Sao Paulo, one of the key factors exacerbating the situation is structural racism. Numerous studies have shown how women of color are at a more vulnerable position when it comes to violence against women. Because on top of gendered oppressive social norms, they are also victims of structural arrangements that discriminate, marginalize, and punish people of color in a variety of forms. According to the coordinator of a grassroot organization called I Acura Jose, which is located in Santo André, a neighboring municipality to Sao Paulo, institutionalized racism draws back to historical conditions in which darker women were enslaved, abused, and sexually exploited by colonizers. The pejorative stereotypical representations of women of color known today as aggressive, domineering, castrating, independent, sexually promiscuous, and money hungry exacerbate the challenges faced by women of color, and those challenges range from factors related to disproportionate economic vulnerability to acute forms of racial oppression. Yet, all literature points out that some factors connected to these structural dimensions of institutionalized racism deserve much, much more attention. One of these factors that's been identified is something that is considered frustrated masculinity syndrome, in which it's intrinsically connected with the interplay between oppressive structural forces, particularly by those related to gender, race, and class. These forces portray black men as hypermasculine, aggressive individuals, when in reality, there are these same forces which further marginalize the same men Transforming them into one of the principal targets of a system that has killed and persecuted people of color for centuries. How researchers explain the syndrome is that men are raised from a very early age to associate manhood with success, employment, economic independence, and the ability to provide for oneself and one's family. However, Black men are historically excluded from access to the socio-economic opportunities that have historically favored white men over every other individual. Authors suggest that one way in which low-income men of color seek to cope with their lack of success in the pursuit of traditional male-dominated roles is through the adoption of violent behaviors as a means of resolving disputes. These patterns put women of color at disproportionate risk of becoming victims of intimate partner violence because men tend to displace their anger and frustration toward their wives and romantic partners. As stated by a researcher by the name of Staples in 1978, violence as a means of status conferral will continue to exist among women youths of color in the underclass as long as opportunity structure for other expressions of their masculinity remains blocked by the forces of institutional racism. For that to have been figured out in 1978 is huge because that was a lot of people think the civil rights movement happening in the 60s but in a country like Brazil for them to realize in 78 that socioeconomic status as it Um, relates to race was causing toxic masculinity in people of color is a really, really, really huge deal and was playing a big part in domestic violence. So they're very much ahead of their time. Additionally, black women who live in communities that are more violent tend to be socially isolated due to the stigma that surrounds them for being both black and poor. This creates even greater barriers for black women to report violence since they have limited access in social resources and they risk being re-victimized by racist police and criminal justice systems. In Brazil, the presence of structural racism has disproportionately affected women of color, causing them to be more isolated due to the effective of rejection permeated by social imposed ideals, as well as the prevalence of a withstanding position of being financially dependent on their partners. Yet this is the last factor of financial dependence is not fully inherent just to black women, but is rather present at a more general level for Brazilian women across the board. Now the thing about financial independence, um, there's a lot of different, um, what people like to call folk religions in Brazil. And um, one of the religions, um, they do something called a blood binding, and that's something that's been done in voodoo in the United States in the early 20th century. And there was a post about it on Reddit, and um, because the guy did not know what the woman was doing, but they will teach people that um, when you are going to be financially dependent on a man and it's your only means, that with the binding, what they do is um, they bind the man to you so that he can fulfill his responsibilities. So it's, it's kind of a mystical thinking point of view, if you want to take it that way, that, but many women of color, even in the United States in the early 20th century, felt they didn't have a choice. So they would turn to, you know, healers and people in their community and bindings were things that would be done and they would take menstrual blood and they would create a potion, if you will, put it in food and bind the person to them and try and hold them to their responsibilities because when you're a woman of color and you can't own property and you don't really have the means to get a job and you're completely financially dependent on a man and your children are as well, you do get desperate sometimes and that was something that at least in the united states at the turn of the 20th century many women of color um did turn to and i do know that it keeps coming up on reddit that some women in more rural parts of brazil are turning back to the old ways and blood binding keeps coming up um so the lack of financial independence has been one of the major factors exacerbating the risk of experiencing violence. Literature argues that the lack of economic opportunities or having any income of their own hampers women's ability to leave abusive relationships and impels them to tolerate violent behavior for fear of not being able to maintain themselves and their children. Many argue that women are more likely to leave battering relationships if they have better economic opportunities outside of the household. Hence, the more a woman is financially dependent on her partner, the less bargaining power she has, and the less she is able to flee. She is in a relationship and has a higher risk of being battered or abused the less money she has. As a counselor woman of the city of Sao Paulo stated, Women who are economically dependent on their aggressors and who decide to distance themselves from their partners have to consider a series of issues prior to doing so such as if she can get a job, if her children are at school, if she needs to access, if she was going to have access to transportation to move from her neighborhood, and if she can access any public support policies that may help her with her housing needs. Furthermore, women who lack economic independence have greater hardships in getting public services, such as reporting violence at police stations or obtaining restraining orders. Regardless, if some of these services are gratuitous, There are other costs that need to be considered, such as paying for transportation to move from the home and trying to get access to competent authorities. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal Service and the UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders. Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, Just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's P-O-D. That's a stamps.com promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. So we are discussing Bruno Fernandez de Torres de Sousa. He goes professionally by the name of Bruno In 2006, he was signed by an investment fund, Media Sports Investment, which had been linked to various transactions with Atletico Mineiro. The deal was speculated to have been worth about 2 million pounds, plus 15% on any future deals. He went on to sign a contract until the end of the year with Corinthians, which is a football club, then a partner of MSI. However, following manager Emerson Lau's Contentious refusal to play Bruno over the homegrown goalkeeper Marciello, Bruno became deeply unsatisfied. With no match played for Corinthians, he was loaned out to Flamenco. At his new team, Bruno arrived with the same week as Diego, their main goalkeeper's injury. He instantly replaced Diego as their first choice for goalkeeper. He made his debut in a match against Internacional and then delivered some impressive performances, cementing his starting position between the posts for the rest of the season. In 2007, he became a fan favorite for his great showings, especially on penalties, by making three saves in the Rio de Janeiro State Championships in 2007 against Bogota, helping Flamenco become the champions. Throughout the year, it was speculated Bruno would depart for Europe with MSI, wishing to cash in on him, and the goalkeeper was linked to Barcelona. For around 3 million pounds, Flamenco, Flamenco sealed a permanent deal with Bruno in 2008, the player stating his desire to be with Rubo Nigra for the foreseeable future. Bruno scored his first professional goal on the 23rd of April 2008 from a free penalty kick, which led the way to a crucial 2-0 victory over Bolognese in the Copa Libertadores. Bruno scored his second goal on the 23rd of October in a penalty kick. He scored his third goal for Flamingo on the 4th of February 2009 in a free kick. After the retirement of Fabio Luciano in May 2009, Bruno became the team captain. On the 12th of July, Bruno competed against Sao Paulo, his 100th match for Flamenco in the Brazilian Series A, the game finished in a draw, 2-2. His fourth career goal, this time from a free kick, was for Flamenco in a match that they lost two to one to Flumency. In 2010, When Bruno was one of the biggest talents in Brazil, playing for Flamenco, there were talks about him being ready to go play in Europe, as he was showing himself good enough to be at the top in Europe. It was inevitable that he would be moving. Then, all of a sudden, those talks were completely discarded after he was charged with assault, torture, murder of his mistress and the mother of his youngest child, Eliza Samudo. Bruno was already married to Diana Rodriguez and had two children with her when he met Eliza at a party. The two had an affair that ended in a pregnancy. Bruno wanted Eliza to have an abortion, and upon her refusal, Bruno broke off their affair. Eliza gave birth to a baby boy in February of 2010 and filed a paternity lawsuit for child support. A DNA test proved the baby was, in fact, Bruno's. Then, shortly afterward, Eliza disappeared with her baby, nowhere to be found. That's because, months after Eliza gave birth, she was lured from Rio de Janeiro to a ranch in Belo Horizonte, a location six hours away. According to a report from ESPN, Eliza was told she would be meeting with Bruno and that the father of her child would be recognizing the child as his and would even be providing an apartment for both of them. Bruno's 17-year-old cousin told police that they had killed the woman. The teen said Suzo or Bruno watched as the missing woman was strangled, mutilated, cut up and fed to dogs. A local police investigator, Wagner Pinto, told reporters They tied her hands and an individual strangled her. Later, they deboned, disemboweled her and fed her to Rottweilers. They took her to an undisclosed location where they fed her to several different dogs. Just to drive home how little respect they had for this poor woman. Bruno's lawyer made a joke to the press at the time. Are the Rottweilers being charged too? Bruno ended up getting arrested a month later, even though he denied any wrongdoing, but his cousin provided details and evidence that the murder of Eliza was ordered by Bruno. According to authorities, several accomplices, including an ex-police officer, had helped tie up and torture Eliza. Also, one of those accomplices was Bruno's wife. When they couldn't find the baby, Eventually, they found the baby with Bruno's wife. So he killed this woman, took her child, and gave the child to his wife to raise. So this was not about him not wanting another child. This was just about him not wanting to have to pay child support, which if you really think about it, is absurd and ridiculous. Bruno was eventually sentenced to a 22 year jail term. After spending six years and seven months in prison, in February of 2017, because of slow processing of an appeal, his lawyers filed a petition of habeas corpus. The petition was granted and Bruno was released pending appeal. This sparked outrage, though, throughout Brazil as people protested this decision. Then, in the most shocking of everything that could happen... A number, not just one, a number of football clubs in the lower divisions of Brazil began to call Bruno to sign and play for them shortly after his release for prison. He eventually decided to join Boa Esporte. In a news conference transmitted by ESPN, Bruno said he was thankful for the opportunity and had been preparing himself for years to return to play. People run for me because of what happened in the past. Uh, Yeah. Because you watch them chop up your girlfriend and feed her to a dog. I would run from you too. He goes on to say, Boa is opening doors for me. I'm very happy and motivated. He also went on to say, he made a mistake and mistakes happen. He claimed to have asked God for forgiveness and was hoping to just carry on with his career. A mystique is not feeding your girlfriend to dogs. That's not a mistake. A mystique is dropping a piece of meat on the floor, not feeding your girlfriend to dogs. Gross. So, at least five sponsors said they would drop the team in protest. The city of Vahrena, which is about 250 miles northwest of Rio de Janeiro, also said it was looking into whether it could legally break with the team, which uses its facilities. In a Facebook post, the club president said that it, all laws have been followed and that the club was doing its part to just help a man recover from his past. He stated, and I quote, who has never heard that work dignifies a man? I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is nothing that's going to dignify this man enough to get the fact that he fed a woman to dogs out of my head. Nothing will dignify that. Nothing, especially not football. Many Brazilians, from Esportes fans to women's groups, strongly disagreed, and thousands of angry comments posted to the f- team's Facebook. I one poster stated, "I will cheer on Boa Esporte if the team plays terribly in every single game." he also stated a team that hires a killer doesn't deserve anybody's respect i could not have put it better cheers to you perfectly stated in july 2019 bruno was released from prison to serve in a semi-open program for the rest of his sentence where he could work or train during the day while being under house arrest at night the problem is the program planned to have him go to jail each night, like come back and stay in jail, but Verena's prison is has inadequate facilities to accommodate this, so he just ended up on house arrest. They are like, yeah, you know, strangle your girlfriend, chop her up and feed her to dogs, but house arrest to play soccer. Like, football, excuse me. Either way, gross, Brazil, gross. It just shows how little you care about women and victims. Awful. The worst. So that was the story of Bruno. Probably one of the most evil people in the world. Who gets to go play soccer? <laughs> I just... Yeah, no. Like Ray Caruth, but like 700 times worse. So <laughs> join me next week when we look at... A case in Norway when a man dressed as a police officer shows up at a summer camp to do the unthinkable. In the meantime, I hope you sleep better knowing the how and why people do such awful things.